Hi, this is Eli Nelson, and this is the My City Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. It is our prayer that this message will awaken you to come alive in the things of Christ. Enjoy the message. God does have a word for you. He's, he's speaking. He's speaking. It's just a matter of if we are listening today. So in, in, a, in a level of honor and respect to the man of God, bringing the word today. I just want to lay a little bit of a foundation. He's a great friend of mine. I've known him for somewhere around 15 years. I've known this man. He's been a great blessing to myself. Uh, His kids were a part of my small youth group that I led back when I was uh, not, not responsible enough to be able to be leading people, but he trusted me with them anyways. And, uh, him and his wife, Cindy are great pastors in and around this city to countless amounts of people and he has prayed up a word to be able to deliver to you today so would you all put your hands together and help me welcome to the stage pastor terry brown come up here brother come on put your hands together one more time oh let's give let's give him all the glory I've got seven sisters and two brothers, there's 10 of us. And my seven sisters always tell me like, man, like you ruined it because we could have had eight sisters because they were like all in a row, then I came. Uh, But somehow I think God just downloaded this, uh, just a compassionate heart in me. So, As I'm here today, I know God has a word for you, and it's not about me preaching the word. It's about the Holy Spirit moving. So I'm just asking that you would just open your ears and let God do what he does best with his people. And um, and so I just want to thank you. I really love you. This is just an honor for me to always be here. And I can tell you I honestly love Pastor Eli and Kelly, Um, my kids were away from the Lord, and and Eli just poured into them um, when they were in high school, and I never forgot that. I watched from a distance, and I saw the hand of God on him and Kelly's life, and and for so many other leaders in here. So so with that, before I get emotional, like my sisters say, why don't you guys sit down? So let's get to it real quick. A couple just real things I want to say. I also want to say to the worship band that um, you can go places and there's worship and then there's worship. This is worship. This is what the Bible calls the Levites coming in and the Levites then lead the people into the presence of God in worship. Did they do that today? Right? So let's give the Lord a hand clap and let's thank them for just being obedient and for the sacrifice that they give in preparing you for this worship you know I'm a pastor's kid my dad was a, was a chaplain and and started many churches on top of being a chaplain and my grandfather and my great-grandfather was and you know now my sisters and some of my brothers that's also a physician also a pastor and we just kind of walked through it but I know ministry is not easy the kingdom of God the work of the kingdom is not easy he never said it would be he just promised he would be with us and that he wouldn't forsake us but I can tell you it is rewarding 
and there are exciting times. So I wanted to make sure I got that out. Last thing is this, just uh, before we get started, um, if we could put that first picture up. The last time I was here, I spoke to you guys, and I told you I had a neighbor. Man, I don't know what happened. He was just a single guy, and he put down these metal poles along my property line that was very unsafe, and it was unsafe for my children. It was unsafe for my two little grandchildren now that I have little ones and little grandchildren, and I pleaded and begged and asked this guy, man, can you take these down? He just didn't want my kids walking on his grass. Like at a basketball court on the end of our property that's almost an acreage, and the basketball would roll like a foot. He didn't want that basketball on his grass. So I just, it got me. Every morning I woke up, we got number windows on the backside of our house, and I would see those green things, and I was like, oh, man, when is this guy going to get this done with, okay? I wasn't very spiritual. So, um, so, but I was here last time, and I brought that up, and I just said, you know, we're just going to keep loving the guy. And somebody here in this house, and I can't remember who it was, on one of the services came up and prayed over me and said, let it go and let God handle it. So I did. Let's put up the next picture. Still up. Let's put up the next one. I took this one Saturday. They're gone. They're gone. And let me tell you what, that may not be significant to you, but anything that is significant that is in your path and has hindered you and preventing you from getting to where you want to be and something that has, like, stolen a little bit of your joy, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. So those things being gone, I, I just praise God for that. I don't know who that was in this house that did that, but I want to tell you thank you. And let me tell you another thing. There's power in prayer. There is power in prayer. Prayer is not wasted. When you open up your mouth, something starts to happen. And let me tell you, you got to get to the prayer meetings. You have to come to prayer. You have to come trust God. It is our only hope. It is our only answer. There is no other. You may have a good job. I had a good job at UPS for 29 years. I was an executive, retired as a region HR manager. Let me tell you something. I knew my job, but I believed in my God. So let me just tell you this. Stay focused and get to prayer because you can't do this by yourself. And the Bible says we're two agree, and you need to have somebody with you. But to agree, agree, it shall be done. So thank you for those that prayed. To God be the glory. Amen? Amen. So let's kind of fire up here. So what I want to tell you a little bit about is people have been asking, it's like, where have you been for the last year since you resigned your post to where you were? And I just want to tell you just briefly, quickly, um, you know, we were having a, a, a prayer meeting over a year ago at the place I was at, and the Lord just spoke to my heart. And during the prayer meeting, he said, man, I, I'm calling you up to pray, up to pray. I need you to come pray. Now, it wasn't like Moses where there was a burning bush in my backyard for me to go, right? But Jesus was calling Cindy and I to go pray. He was asking something of us. So after the three weeks of prayer, I told my pastor, hey, I got to go. We got to go pray. So a friend of ours has a beautiful house in the Ozark. I'll make this really quick. We went to his house in the Ozark. And um, this is what God does. It had not snowed in four years. We parked the car, went in. It dumped nine inches of snow. So it dumps nine inches of snow, and there was a purpose for that, I now realize. And I got up the next day, and I started to walk through the snow, and I started walking through the hilly area, and I just started crying out to God. God, you brought us here. What do you want? What are you saying? No answer. So then it's still snowing. I went down to the dock area, which is where we go there this summer. It's a very peaceful area to go pray and just, just to hang out. And I'm there, and the snow's coming down on the water, and it's beautiful. And I literally heard the voice of the Holy Spirit say this, do you wholeheartedly trust me? 
And I can tell you, I did not answer. Because I knew God was asking something of me. And maybe you're here today and God's asking something of you. I knelt down in the snow, and you guys can put the first one up. And that's kind of a lousy eye. But, but I wrote in the snow, and you can keep rolling through the next one. I wrote in the snow, I will trust you. And I took a picture of it. It was my new covenant with God. And whatever season he was going to ask me to do, I would do it. So I went back to my church, and, and right away, the voice of the Lord beforehand said to me, leave expeditiously. Leave. Didn't know where I was going. Didn't know what I was going to do. Didn't have a job. Didn't know what was up. He said, just leave expeditiously and trust me. Went back to my pastor and I said, I got to go. He says, how long do I have? A couple months. I said, you got two weeks. I said, as a matter of fact, I believe God was testing me. God was testing to see if expeditiously was I going to leave. And the first day I got back from the Ozarks, I went into my office, no boxes, no packages. I just grabbed all my books, all my pictures off the wall. And I went to my trunk and I just put them in my trunk in my car. Because God was saying, it was a test. Are you going to obey? And so we've had a great season over the last year, man. God has opened up some things. God has shown us some things. God is, we're praying into some new steps. And it's been amazing. I've had great times with my family that I never had after my years with UPS. And God is just bringing us together. And I believe God has a great season for us. And he's got a great season for you. Amen? So the question is, I, everybody say I will trust him. Amen. And we're going to trust him right now. And we're going to show a video real quick because Jesus has, if I were to ask you what you thought of Jesus or the name of Jesus, all of us would come up with something a little different, right? He's great. He's mighty. He's a great I am. I mean, we would all come up with something. But I want you to listen, watch this video. And um, I want you to see what Pastor Lockridge says about Jesus. Can we play that? The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him? My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captive. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he purifies 
righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. I wish I could describe him to you. He's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your head. You can't outlive him, and you can't live without him. Well, the Pharisees couldn't stand him, but they found out they couldn't stop him. Tyler couldn't find any fault in him. Herod couldn't kill him. Death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we give you glory and honor today in this house. God, we ask for a move of the power of your Holy Spirit. God, we are in great need of you today, oh God. God, you, all with you, all things are possible. So God, I pray, God, that as this word is given, God, that you would hide me behind the cross, that you alone would be seen. God, in Terry dwells no good thing, but in you dwell all things. So, God, we've come, and we're going to lay our hands out, and we're going to say, God, have your way. Be lifted and glorified. Be exalted in this place. Blessed be the name of the Lord today. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, let's power down here. The title of my message is this, He Hears the Cry of the Broken. And we're going to read a lot of scripture, but stay with me. And we're going to start in John 8, 3 through 11, and it says this. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought, brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone each woman. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap. Everybody say trap. In order to have a basis for accusing him, but Jesus bent down and started the ride on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stood up, or he, or he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, starting with the older ones. Until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and he asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your sin. Go. Action. I want you to listen to the rest of the scriptures here. Because there's action words. Go. He's telling, advance, move, don't stay where you're at. That's been dealt with. It's time to go, and it's time to move. Little did they know that grace stood in front of them. In the movie, Lord of the Rings, there's a character named Smeagol who's battling with all these voices in his head. Don't judge me for watching Lord of the Rings, okay? Smeagol, who's battling with all these voices in his head, and there's always one voice telling him to watch out for master because he's tricksy. He's tricksy. 
And again, let me read verse 6. They were using this question as a trap. Trixie to Jesus. If it were a boxing match made into a movie, it would be called the law versus grace. And let me tell you what, coming to a theater near you, that's what it would say. But grace always wins. We couldn't keep the law, so grace came so that we are victorious children of the Most High God. And that is where God is right now for us. We are victorious. We are children of the Most High God. Can I get a my city amen on that one? Let's keep reading. Let's talk about John 5:11, healing of the man at the pool. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Veg, uh, ve- festivals, vegetables. Now there is in Jerusalem near the sheep gate a pool, which the Aramaic is called Bathsheba, and which is surrounded by five covered colonies. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie there. The blind, the lame, the paralyzed. The, and one was there who, who was invalid for 38 years, which means he was totally disabled, unable to move, had serious medical issues. When Jesus saw him lying there and, and, and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get healed? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me. Let me stop there. No one to help me. There are people sometimes in the church that feel like there's no one there to help me. And sometimes my help comes from the Lord of heaven and earth. And other times it's us walking this journey together. We need each other, brothers and sisters. The Lone Ranger couldn't have done it without Tonto. Okay, Batman couldn't have done it without Robin. I know some of you young people are Googling that right now. Who are they, right? Then Jesus said to him, get up, action, pick up your mat and walk, action, walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath, and so the Jewish leaders, remember the law, said to the man who had been healed, It is a Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. That's what the law does. What grace would have done is said, praise God, you're healed. You're healed. Who did this? But instead, they're so concerned about the law. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So I believe Jesus is saying, pick up your mat in advance. Where you are now is your past. But I am your future. Maybe you're here today and Jesus is asking you to pick up your mat. He's asking you to walk into your destiny. He's asking you to walk into your calling. Walk into forgiveness. Walk into grace. Get up and walk. Why? Because Jesus hears the cry of the brokenhearted. Let's go on to Luke 8, 43. The woman with the issue of blood. And many of you may know this scripture. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but nobody could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her blood stopped. Who touched me, Jesus said. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and they're pressing up against you. So can you imagine this time that Peter's talking about? There's a lot of people around Jesus They're leaning up against him. They're pressing him. They're touching him. 
But Jesus said, somebody touched me. I know that power has gone from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, and I'll get into that, came trembling and fell at his feet. And when I read this many times, and many times in the scripture, you will see Jesus moving and doing something so awesome, and you will see that people are falling at his feet. I love the song that says, sitting at your feet, sitting at your feet. That is where my life is complete, sitting at your feet. And she leans down on his feet, and she's down there, and in the presence of all the people, she told him that she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Another action word, go in peace. What was Jesus writing in the dirt? Can I have a little liberty today? If that's okay with you guys. I'm going to tell you what I think maybe Jesus may have written. Once upon a time, there was a woman who made poor decisions. She was surrounded by a mob of men holding rocks in their hands, ready for a stoning. She is preparing to take her last breath. But grace, but grace shows up and delivers a knockout blow to the law. Grace always wins. Why? Because Jesus hears the cry of the broken. It wasn't common for a woman to be around a lot of men in that day unless they were serving from a certain perspective. But she didn't care because she was desperate. Twelve years of faith building up to this one moment. There were others that were touching Jesus, pressing up against him, and she was the only one that touched him that moved him to stop. Why did he stop? Listen, if you write down any note, write this one down. Why did he stop? The kingdom responds to faith, and she touched the kingdom. The kingdom, demand, the kingdom responds to faith, and she touched the kingdom. The kingdom stopped. Imagine the kingdom of God just stopped because one person with faith touched him. Why? Because Jesus hears the cry of the broken. Lazarus, you all know the story of Lazarus. John 11, we're going to jump a little bit into this, but let's read this real quick. Let's go to 21, and it should be up on your screen. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, because Lazarus, Jesus' friend, had just died. Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Let's jump to 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live. Even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this today? When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell to her feet. Sitting at his feet. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews that had come along with her were also weeping, he was deeply moved in the spirit, and he was troubled. Imagine Jesus being troubled. Where have you laid him, he said. Verse 41, so they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, 
that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Can you imagine Jesus doing this? Can you imagine the sight of the people? What Jesus is saying, Lazarus, come forth. And maybe today, maybe you're in a situation where you feel wrapped up in dead man's clothes. And Jesus is saying, come forth. How does a man that is wrapped in linen, the Bible says, not only was he wrapped in linen, his face was wrapped in linen. How does he know even where to go when he's coming out of the tomb if he can't see? You know why? Because, he's, because the King of kings and the Lord of lords was the one who lights his path. You can be in trouble. You can be in a situation where you don't see God doing something. You can be in a situation where you feel like, I'm my situation is a dead situation. And all you have to do is pray to Jesus. Because Jesus will say, then come forth. Come forth. Another action. Come forth. You see, Jesus is the resurrector. I'm going to say that again. We're at a church, right? Jesus is the resurrector. He is able to breathe life into dead bones. We sang that song earlier. He's able to breathe life into dead bones in impossible situations. And he's able to breathe life into a struggling marriage or any situation in this room today. Why? Because Jesus hears the cry of the broken. If we can put the next picture up of little Isaac. Little Isaac was born 11 weeks. He was 11 weeks too early. Barely two pounds. This family, Ian and Kaylee, who Ian worked for me at UPS, he calls me, and they'd wait 14 years to have a baby. 14 years they're waiting. 14 years they're calling upon the Lord. 14 years they're not quitting. 14 years it's tough, but they're still pursuing. And little Isaac comes, and he's in the ICU, and he's having liver problems and kidney problems and brain problems. And all of a sudden, we decided to go. He called me and Cindy, and we went there. My son, Dallas, who worked in the hospital, he went there, and we went there. We consistently, every day, prayed over little Isaac. You're going to live. God has a plan for you. The joy of the Lord is your strength. God is the great physician. God is the great healer. He is the one who answers prayer. And we kept calling upon the name of the Lord. And what does a little, little Isaac look like now? Six months later, little Isaac looked like he ate a Kentucky Fried Chicken dinner. He's gained some good weight, right? The meeting of Isaac is laughter and rejoice. When you pray, there will be a time when God starts answering. And when he's not answering, let me tell you, one of the most powerful things is when you're waiting upon the Lord. Because he says he will give you strength and he will lift you up. Have you ever been in a situation where people are praying for you? It was me last week. I just felt like this intense attack coming on me. But there was one time as I'm studying, I'm looking, I could sense Somebody literally praying for me. Like there was a lifting. And I literally said, God, who's praying for me? Somebody's praying for me. That's little Isaac. And there is going to come a time where instead of, instead of weeping, you're going to have laughter and you're going to rejoice. May God use little Isaac for his glory. No eyes have seen, no ears have heard what God has for little Isaac. God, we pray, God, that Isaac would be a difference maker in the kingdom of God. God, he is your living testimony. 
God, use him greatly to draw others to you, oh God. I sense that there is someone, and I share this with great, great compassion. I sense when I saw this about little Isaac, that quickly the Holy Spirit just said, there's somebody here where you're going. And they're asking God for a child. They're believing that God could do this. And I want you to know that you are and we are going to pray for the resurrector to come into your home after this service today. And it's not just for those who are believing for a miracle of a child. But you know what he says in his word? He says, call upon me in the name of, uh, in, in the time of trouble. He says, I will answer. And he is the only answer. And we're going to do that today. We're going to trust God. I don't know who you are, but let me remind you, weeping may last in the night, but joy will come in one morning. It is coming. It is coming. It might be delayed, but it is coming. Keep the faith. It is coming. Why? Because Jesus hears the cry of the broken. Mark 2, 1 through 5, a few days later when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside of the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing him a paralyzed man carried by four men. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof. <laughs> above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat with the man lying in it. When Jesus saw this faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Jump to verse 12. He got up, action. He got up and he, he got up and, and took his mat and he walked out in full view of everyone, of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. When you trust Jesus, he will do things that will blow you away. He will do things and move lives and do miracles, and he will give you strength and power and endurance, and people will wonder, what is that? Then you could say, it wasn't an Advil. It was Jesus. And that's your testimony. That's my testimony. That was a desperation time. And they refused to be denied. They destroyed somebody's home. What if you were at home and all of a sudden your roof started coming in? That's how desperate they were. They were desperate to get to Jesus. And maybe it's time for you to start tearing down some roofs if you really want to get to Jesus. Why? Because Jesus hears the cry of the broken. I was at UPS, and I used to go, and my office was on the lower level, separate from the main building, and our accounting uh, firm was above my office. And I used to go in about 4.35, 5.30 in the morning. And I went in, and as I'm going in, I looked over in the break room, and there was a door on this end, a door on this end, and I just gently walked in, and there was this lady and I can still picture it today. She was digging through the trash. And I, I noticed she was putting food products from the trash on the table. 
And I backed away gently and I closed the door. And I went and I called my wife and I said, honey, I just saw this young lady and she's not eating. What can we do? And Cindy goes, leave it up to me. I got it. That's what I love about my wife. She's really quiet. You guys know her. But when she says something, she's like the spiritual giant. It's like, I move. Okay, babe. I got, okay. And she says, I got it. I'll take care of it. So I went up to the accounting firm and I said, hey, guys. I talked to the manager and I said, uh, hey, can I have this young lady come down to my office real quick? Is everything okay? Yeah, I just want to talk to her. So, so she comes down to my office and, and she comes to the door. She goes, am I fired? Let me tell you, all the HR people are not bad, okay? <laughs> um, some of us are spirit-filled. Come on. And she sits down across from me. And I said, I, I went into the break room and I saw you digging in the trash. And I said, I know this is very personal. I, and she started crying, her blue eyes. I can still see her. These tears just started streaming down her face. And she says, yeah, I haven't eaten in a couple of days. What I've been eating in the last two to three weeks is trash from UPS and this trash. And she goes, and I go, man, I said, you know what? God loves you. She goes, are you a Christian? I said, yeah. She goes, I'm a Christian too. She goes, but in the last two, three, four months, it's been hard. She goes, and I thought God forgot about me. She goes, I thought God forgot about me. And I said, no, he loves you. Because he says he'll never leave you or forsake you. He is full of love and grace and mercy. And when her tears are coming down, I looked at her and I said, I said, my wife's going to bring you groceries. And then she leaned over in tears, almost falling out of the chair. And she says, God, I was just praying last night. Can you show me that you're really real? Can you show me that you're really the provider? And she's weeping. And I gave her moments to weep it out. I'm weeping now. And after she got them weeping, my wife called. And she says, Terry, I'm out in the driveway. I said, park on the very far end so nobody can see it. And I told her, my car, her car is red. She's standing out there. Her name is Cindy. She brought you some groceries. And I said, this is between me, you, my wife, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But the kingdom showed up for you today. And the kingdom wants you to know the kingdom has not forgotten you. And the kingdom has not abandoned you. And if you're in the house today and maybe you're having a rough time, the kingdom has not abandoned you. Jesus loves you, man. And he's able to touch and move on your behalf. He's able to use many of us for you and you for us. You know, Pastor Eli talks about this relationship that we have. You know, let me tell you what. It's not a one-way relationship. It's a two-way relationship. He speaks into my life. I speak into his life. And we talk about our families. We, we talk about our kids. We talk about life together. You need to have somebody walk through it with you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Deuteronomy 31 says this. I'm going to go through a couple quick scriptures. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. And them could be a situation, your people people, enemy, whatever it may be. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. First Peter 3.12 says this, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, 
and his eyes are attentive to their prayer. I love this scripture because another portion of the verse in another translation says this. The, the ears of the Lord are bent towards your prayer. Every time you pray, every time you come to a prayer meeting, every time you come to the altar, every time you go to your, your small group or life group, every time you guys meet here for prayer, every time you pray for somebody else at night, every time you pray for somebody for salvation, every time you pray for the lost in your family, every time you pray for the sick, every time you need God to move, every time the Bible says, Imagine the king of glory in all of heaven. And he says, his ear is bent toward your prayer, Terry Brown. His ear is bent toward your prayer. Psalms 121, 3 through 8 says this. He will not let your foot slip. He watches over you. Maybe some of you, if you just close your eyes on this one. But you need to let this soak in like, like water and oil running down you. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all of them. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going. Again, action. And he says, now and forever. As I end, I want to say this to you briefly. You see, brothers and sisters, sometimes we need to press and pass. We need to press past the crowd or what others may think, like the woman with the issue of blood. Press through because Jesus is waiting. You're here today and maybe you need more friends that carry you through a situation or season that get you to Jesus like the men who destroyed the roof. The roof was just, rep the roof just represented an obstacle. In your way to Jesus, what's your roof or obstacle this morning that you need to give up or destroy to get closer to Jesus because he's close to the brokenhearted? Maybe you struggled or failed in some area of your life like the woman who was about to be stoned by the men who had their own sinful issues. Maybe you're here today and you feel incapacitated and you're at the water's edge, not moving in your gifting or your calling with humility. And Jesus is here to say, pick up your mat and walk into what I have for you today. Maybe you're having a Lazarus moment and what seems to be dead in your life. Joy, peace, forgiveness, grace, love for your brother or your sister. And Jesus wants to come today and resurrect it in you so that you can truly live. I have five physicians and two nurses in my family, and they told me that a defibrillator is something that they use to shock the heart to bring it back into proper rhythm. And maybe you're here today and you need a defibrillator moment. I've had those. And as we get ready to the end, I want to share this with you. We saw Dr. Lockridge's portion of That's Our King. As I started to put this message together, I said, He's my king too. So I wrote one like he wrote one. Can I share it with you? Jesus is still the answer for his people. He's the restorer of the broken. That's our king. He brings freedom to the depressed. He's a chain breaker. Have you experienced him? Do you know him? That's our king. He's the, he's the calmer of the storms in your life. He's the way maker where there is no way. That's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. 
In him is your rest that you need. In him is the rest that you need. And in the morning, he's also the lifter of your head. That's our king. He lights your path, and he's your rear guard. He's not a politician, and he's not the king of a democratic kingdom, and he's not the king of a republican kingdom. He is the king of the kingdom. That's the kingdom of God. That's what we walk in. He's the peacemaker outside of the church, and he's the peacemaker in his church. That's our king. He's the forgiver of pride, of the prideful, and the giver of humility. Do you take up your cross every morning? Because the king is waiting for you. He's the turner of the tables in the temple court, and yet he's the preparer of the banquet table. That's our king. When you're weak, he is strong. He's a father to the fatherless. He's closer than a brother. He's the riser, the setter of the sun. He's the raiser of the moon and the shining of the stars. That's our king. He's not on TikTok and he's not on Twitter. He's not on Facebook and you can't find him on Snapchat. But he's in the word because he is the word. Are you listening to him? That's our king. He wants your heart. He wants your singleness and he wants your marriage. He wants your family and he wants your children because he is the king. He wants your problems. He wants your calling. He wants your job and he wants your ministry. Do you trust him? That's our king. He will leave the 99 to find the one. And if the one is here today, he wants to find you today. He's the caller to prayer and he's the answer to prayer. He is surely the king. The king, his kingdom come and his will be done. That's our king. That's our king. Why? Because he, here's the part of the many. I'll say this last thing before they kick me off stage. I'll say this last thing to you as Pastor Eli comes. God is amazing. As Eli comes, I want to remind you of Peter. I want to remind you of Peter. Peter's fishing. That's his life. That's his livelihood. He's a professional, and he's fishing. He's not catching anything on the right side. Jesus says, Jesus says from the shore, hey, throw your net to the left side. He's probably thinking, oh, my gosh, you kidding? I'm the fisherman. Who's this guy telling me what to do? But he does it. You know, his, spiritual, his fish finder wasn't working, but the spiritual fish finder shows up, and he puts the net on the left side. They said his nets were so full, he couldn't hold it. He started yelling for everybody else, hey, bring your boats out. You know why? Because Jesus is more than enough. He's an overflow. When you need him, he will show up. And he is Jehovah Jireh. He is your provider. And he doesn't shortchange you on anything. So as Pastor Eli comes, man, we want to pray today. We want to pray today. And when we do, I'm just going to ask our leaders on the front row to move and, and have you come forward when they sing this song. I'll give it to Pastor Eli first. And if you can't make it down here, just keep your hand raised up and we'll come to you. To me, this is an assignment from the kingdom to come here today. Not for my glory, but for his. You are children of the Most High. You aren't peasants. We are children of the Most High. And God is worthy of the glory. The last thing I'll leave you is this. You don't have to be brokenhearted for him to help you. And you know what? You don't need to fill out an application. To, be, to come to his kingdom. He desires you and he's in love with you.
to God be the glory. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If this message encouraged you, help us get the word out. Consider sharing it with a friend, rating, or subscribing. If you want to know more about our church, check out our website at mycitychurch.cc or our Instagram at mycitycentral. We look forward to sharing another encouraging word with you next week. God bless.